0: Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It is Bowl Preview Number 4. Today is Wednesday, December 21st. Make sure we get the date down so that you guys know exactly when we are giving you this information because, as you know, bowl season, things change. I'm your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. Let's go ahead and bring in our experts. On the right side of the screen here, we have got Kyle Hunter. He is at Kyle KyleHunterPicks on Twitter. Uh, he's our award-winning professional handicapper. And, Kyle... Uh, First off, how about Eastern Michigan yesterday in the potato bowl? Uh, But Liberty last night shows uh, a little bit of fight against Toledo. Um, Surprisingly, you know, we, you and I both talked about this, the Mac. uh, It's typically good to fade the Mac when you get to bowl season right now, two and one straight up two and one against the spread for the Mac. How are you feeling about bowl season thus far?
1: Yeah, feeling feeling good about things. Uh, I like our plays today too, so I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I think all of us have some solid plays here today. Uh, Toledo tried to blow that game last night. They gave it a good effort, um, and uh, I I think uh, you know we had to get one dig on Jason Candle's team there. Mamac um, the has played well. I think San Jose State. Uh, has laid a couple eggs here in the Brennan era era, which surprises me because he's a good coach certainly but uh, San Jose State didn't look very dialed in for that game but we got some good games to talk about here today so I'm certainly looking forward to it oh
0: absolutely same here Uh, on the left side of the screen Parker Fleming at stats of war on Twitter he is our analyst Uh, I call him the numerical guru he's uh he's the numbers guy the stats guy whatever you'd like to call him uh, Parker, first off, happy National Signing Day. I, I think that this is the official one at this point, considering over 90% of the kids that are out there are uh, officially committed at this point. Uh, and I think most have already signed, but, you know, hey, we'll we'll stay off of that. We'll get on to the bowl games. How, uh, how are you feeling about today's games?
2: Uh, pretty good. I like that we, we're kind of in that stretch where we've got, like, what, a game every day for the next five, or I guess yesterday was, was five days in a row. So uh, an, a nice slate here. And some interesting matchups. Um, yeah, all sorts of uh, all sorts of signing day drama, but that's not what we're here for. We're here to talk about these games and uh, a couple really really good matchups for the rest of the week. I'm pretty excited uh, to to watch those as we kind of break them down. And and uh, I like that we're like a little bit ahead of ourselves. Like in the in the regular season, it's like oh we're leading up to Saturday. The games happen on Saturday. Then we talk about it on Tuesday and do it again. Now it's like, hey, we've got games we've already talked about and more games are coming. It's just this nice, uh, nice constant flow of uh, football here. So really, really trying to enjoy that.
0: Now you have certainly got that right. Today we're talking about games from Wednesday, December 28th through Thursday, December 29th. I mean, we have got a ton of games. And so that we don't, the reason why we split them up this way is so that we do not discuss uh, 20 bowl games at a time, right? Because once you get into the thick of it, there are a lot of games happening during the week, so we want to be able to hit on every bowl game. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about these a little bit early, but yeah, I'm excited. I am very, very excited because we're going to have bowls every day for the foreseeable future, it, other than Christmas Day, and even then, you've got NFL if that uh that tickles your fancy a little bit. So let's uh, let's go ahead and remind everybody, if you would, so kindly uh, go ahead and like the video. But let's let's do our recap here and we like to be as transparent as possible tell you exactly what our record is on the season i am currently sitting at 48 wins 37 losses in three pushes kyle is 30 and 28 parker 40 46 and one that gives us an overall record of 118 111 and four that's 51.53 percent against the number not bad not bad uh but we hey, we got some picks out yesterday we got some picks out today I feel very good about where we are headed with bowl season. The more information that comes in, the better for sure. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. If you've not done so already, we are trying to get to 12,000. I believe we're at 11.8 right now, somewhere around there. So if you would go ahead, share the show out, tell your friends about it first off, but make sure that you yourself are subscribed and that you have liked the video. Go ahead and do that. And uh, yeah, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast as well. If you can't be here live, that would be a great way to listen to it. Uh, while you're traveling, et cetera, because you know a lot of people do travel around this time of year. Make sure that you are subscribed to the BitUS Football show on Apple, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast app is., uh, jump in the chat. The only way to do that is to be subscribed to the show, But jump in the chat, any Q and A questions that you have for the end of the show, we are here to answer them, whether it's about coaching or signing day stuff, or, eh, you know, what's your favorite Christmas food, whatever. Like, we'll we'll answer whatever you would like. So jump in the Q&A for the end of the show. Jump in the chat for that. Gentlemen, let's move on. Game number one here. We are moving to the Military Bowl. This one's at Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland, UCF, and Duke. And the Blue Devils are a three-point favorite. Uh, the odds are minus 115 on the Blue Devil side. And the total sits at 62 and a half on this. It's Wednesday, December 28th, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, And I'm looking at this. I'm going to get Parker to go first on this. Uh, Duke won four of their last five this year to finish eight and four in Mike Elko's first season. Uh, Definitely an improvement over what this team had been under David Cutcliffe. Uh, This is Duke's first bowl since 2018. I think they're going to be pretty fired up to be here. Gus Malzahn, if you look at what he's done in bowls over his time at Auburn and UCF, he is 3-5 and five straight up. Uh, towards the end of the season, UCF kind of dropped off a little bit, 0-3 against the spread, only 1-2 straight up. At Duke, however, 4-1 and straight up and against the spread in their last five. Parker, uh, looking at this matchup, I mean, if Plumlee's hamstring is not ready to roll here, Mikey Keene is in the transfer portal. Uh, looks like he's probably going to end up at Fresno State, so he is not playing in this game. Thomas Castellano is going to be uh, excuse me, Castellanos, uh, it's, it's going to be the guy. If Plumlee can't go, this has certainly got me leaning Duke. You know, I don't feel great about anything in this game, but I'm, I'm curious what you're
2: looking at. Yeah, that, that'll, that'll be the first thing that I look for. Absolutely. Is, is whether, um, whether Plumlee is going to be full, full strength because he, he definitely has, um, a lot, uh, the, the the way they want to run their offense with Gus, they need him as a rushing threat. And I think that's really the issue when Keene was in is they couldn't do everything they could do. Interesting to note that the uh, quarterbacks for both teams, Leonard and Plumley for, for Duke and UCF, are both uh, the rushing leaders for the team here. Um, and so very, very mobile quarterback. A lot a lot depends on the quarterback being there, which is what you'd expect out of maybe um, veteran coaches, um, although is not a veteran head coach, but veteran coaches who have a strong sense of identity on offense, uh, n- knowing what they want out of a player, that system really works for one quarterback, but maybe not for for another. Um, Duke's offense has been really good with Leonard, um, specifically with the rushing. Again, they're 11th in EPA per rush, and this UCF defense has has been slightly better against the rush in the past, but still only 57th in rushing EPA. I think um, that that UCF really hasn't seen many uh, many mobile quarterbacks, and that Leonard should give them some some troubles um duke's run defense has been really really good 17th in epa per play that's UCF's strength on offense they're 15th in epa per rush but where duke has been susceptible is in the pass game 104th in epa per play allowing 0.129 epa per pass there so if ucf is forced to kind of if if Plumley's not healthy or they have to go with the third stringer forced to button up the offense there, there's potentially some gains to be made by just exploiting a, a duke secondary that hasn't played super well this season. They're 113th in passing success rate. So that's something I'll watch for. The other key stat here, especially with Plumlee out, because he's so crucial to these third down completions um, and conversions for UCF is UCF's 24th on third and fourth down success uh, on offense. Duke is 73rd. So if Plumlee's out, that really changes the calculus of how UCF's going to be able to move the ball against this Duke defense. But um, yeah, given the uncertainty with that uh, and, and potentially a lack of motivation here in, in UCF with losing some guys to the transfer portal and and not winning the American, um, I, I'm not sure that I have a strong play on either side here. I am interested to watch how Duke's defense kind of adapts to whatever UCF puts on the field.
0: That that does make sense. I mean, you bring up Duke's defense, uh, their weakness certainly against the pass. But if Plumlee's out there with kind of a, a bum hamstring, uh, either him or... Uh, Castellanos. I don't know that you have to worry too much about you know the deep passes, especially with some of the guys that are out. Uh, the cornerback Brown, the linebacker Gene uh, Baptiste, uh, the quarterback Keen, of course, I already mentioned, and of course the wide receiver uh, O'Keefe. Like he's he's not going to play here. Uh, the defensive coordinator has moved over to Arkansas as well, so UCF uh, certainly feeling the the brunt of the opt-outs in this one. Kyle, let's move over to you. Uh, this I'm looking at at. Kevin Johns, the offensive coordinator for Duke, and what he and Riley Leonard should be able to do against this defense. UCF, since week eight, number 120 PPA per drive, just not great at all. And I don't know how successful that running game for UCF can be uh, without Plumlee at quarterback. Now, he may play, he just may not be uh, 100%. And if he's not 100%, yeah. Uh, Kyle, I'm, I'm curious which direction you might be leaning on this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the million-dollar question here is what is the status of Plumlee, whether he's 100% or whether he's not even close to 100% makes a huge difference. I don't think Keene was that good, but, you know, the drop-off from Keene to Castellanos is pretty big as well. So uh, Plumlee is really a good runner, not a great passer to start with. So he's not really a guy that takes advantage of a secondary as well as he is, you know, a scrambler, make things happen with his legs. With that injury, I think he probably is at least limited here. I think it'd be really hard to bet UCF in a game like this. Um, you know, like you said, Malzahn has not really been very good in these bowl games anyways. I really hate to trust Duke a lot because the ACC was so weak. And um, even though I think uh, Elko did a tremendous job, and, and I'm looking forward to see what he does in the future, the the team is at least somewhat here because of their turnover margin as well. Plus 14 in turnovers, second to USC in the country. So um, that helps a lot, certainly. Duke had 30 sacks this year. UCF's offensive line is weak. If Plum Lee is not healthy here, I think Castellanos could be in quite a bit of trouble here against this Duke pass rush. Um, I would definitely lean UCF or I would definitely lean uh, Duke going against UCF here in this one. and I want to I want to lean to the under. I just it's hard to trust the defenses a lot, but this is a high number. Um it's not you know, a, a sexy pick or anything, but uh, taking taking an under here, Feels like the right thing to do even if it's a little bit tough to do uh to me i think this is a a, a duke minus three or an underplay but uh, i really want to wait and see the status see if we get anything about Plumlee because this is one of those if you find out after you bet it that it's the opposite of what you were hoping it could really burn you you know you were certainly certainly right about that it, it could be about a
0: pick 'em uh if you've got a healthy plumley here uh, but again you've got a lot of guys out you've got the defensive coordinator gone like there's There's certainly other issues at UCF that do make Duke a favorite here. I would lean the Blue Devils, but no official play on this one. All right, we will move ahead, and we are headed to the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, Tennessee. This is, uh, I believe it's Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium now. I think that's what they've called it. Uh, It's Kansas and Arkansas. Arkansas, a three-point favorite, uh, minus 105 the odds on that. The total sits at 69. Of course, latest numbers at BetUS. And Kansas, one and four straight up and against the spread in their last five games. Arkansas, uh, four and two against the spread, three and three straight up in their last six. So definitely, definitely interesting on this. Um, I am, I'm real curious here. Kyle, I want to start with you on this. Uh, This looks like a motivation kind of game. Arkansas has got a bunch of dudes out. The defensive coordinator, Odom, is now the head coach at UNLV. Along with that, you've got uh, Hazelwood, the linebacker, Drew Sanders, the center Stromberg. And they have all opted out because they're going to start their NFL draft prep. You got the linebacker, Bumper Pool, that's out with an injury. The tight end, Knox, is transferring. The wide receiver, Jackson, quarterback, Malik Hornsby, the backup for uh, KJ Jefferson. They're all transferring, so they're, they're not expected to play. This, is, this seems like a spot where you would have to roll uh, with Kansas or nothing, um, at, at least that's what I'm thinking on it. But Kyle, I'm, I'm curious what you
1: think here. Yeah, for me, uh, as I was doing my notes on this one, I, I started liking Kansas more. You know, this is a, a Kansas team that played the fourth toughest schedule in the country, according to Sacharin. Arkansas 22nd. Now, I know yards per play margin aren't everything. Um, I always say that all of these things are just one piece, but uh, Kansas 21st in yards per play margin in the country and Arkansas 87th. Um, pretty surprising to see a team laying points here that has the much worse net yards per play margin, especially when Arkansas has so many guys out. I mean, there are so many guys out for them, bumper pool, Slusher. Uh, The secondary was really bad to start with, and now you wonder, you know, how are they going to do anything here because secondary has been a problem. Um, Jalen Catalan, a really good player, was injured earlier in the year. Now they have a bunch of other guys out. Kansas really balanced on offense. I think Kansas moves the ball here, um, scores quite a bit. They're very explosive, too. Third in explosiveness in the country for the Jayhawks. Certainly, they've been a great story this year. Arkansas, 120th in explosiveness allowed. So, big plays coming for Kansas, definitely. Arkansas, not good uh, in special teams, either. Uh, The Razorbacks have plenty of negatives. The more I look at this one, the more I think maybe I should have bet Kansas, and maybe I still will. Uh, But... I think Arkansas will score plenty of points here against a Kansas defense that struggles both against the run and the pass. I certainly will lean to the over, but this is a really high number, certainly. Um, I like Kansas in this one. I definitely would want to get the three. I think maybe this one even comes down based on what the the betting markets are doing right now. I think you might want to go ahead and grab the three if you like Kansas. Uh, Two good coaches, fun matchup here. This is a game I'm certainly looking forward to.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, am, I am with you there. Uh, I, the over is certainly making sense. It opened at 67 and a half. It's now at 69. Uh, the spread opened at Arkansas, a five and a half point favorite. It is down to three, and I'm, I'm with you. Uh, before we bring Parker in, I'm going to go ahead and tell you my official play on this is Kansas uh, due to that motivational factor. I, I think Arkansas is going to be able to score. I think Kansas is going to be able to score even more. Parker, uh, the Arkansas defensive coordinator for this game is Michael Scherer. He was a GA at Missouri in 2019. Uh, he was a defensive analyst at Arkansas in 2020, and he's been the linebackers coach the last two years. Uh, you got Lance Leipold scheming against a young guy. Uh, this seems, this seems like a good spot with Jalen Daniels, uh, you know, healed up at this point, or at least he should be. Uh, he's had plenty of time, and and Leipold being four and one against the spread in bowls here. I, I like what I'm seeing out of this offense. Yeah, I, I understand the Kansas defense is bleh, but that's, that's the way that I'm certainly leaning. Parker, how, how do you feel about this one?
2: Is, is Michael Scherer related in any way to Rip Scherer? That's something I need to look up and tweet out if I find out later. Uh, just, Gary, knowing that you're a Memphis guy and this is the Liberty Bowl, that, just, that was on my brain when you said his last name. Um, that has no bearing on this game at all. What does have bearing on this game at all is absolutely Lance Leipold being just absolutely mischievous with his offense all season and just being so... Creative. They're sixth in EPA per play, 41st in success rate. They are just going to get a big play. Two guys on Kansas. I really love to have big games here. Luke Grimm, absolute workhorse of a wide receiver. He is everywhere. Um, Leads the team in targets and receptions this year. Um, he is, you know, 74% in the slot, 25% out wide, they'll move him around. He's left. He's right. He's in the backfield everywhere. A guy that just gets open. Um, and then of course the tight end Mason Fairchild, uh, for, for Kansas always just kind of sneaks out and gets open watch he will have at least two two touchdown passes that are just wide open attempts at him because he just kind of starts the block and then gets out. And Leipold does a great job scheming. I think that's really going to put a lot of stress on an Arkansas defense that is, is, is bad even when they're at full strength this season. They're 95th in EPA per play. Specifically, they're 108 in EPA per rush. That's going to be very problematic for, the quarter, for, for defending the quarterback, Jalen Daniels, who is um, – just a a very, very good mobile threat. They'll run some RPOs, some triple option with him as well. can be very, very much a stress test. The only reason I don't have Kansas as an official play is I'm just worried about this defense. I think that Arkansas has an absolute talent advantage on offense, but this Kansas defense is 115th in EPA per play, 106th in EPA per pass. Arkansas this season 18th in epa per pass this might just be uh uh, you know a a fight that goes the distance where these dude these two teams are just throwing haymakers at each other of, of explosive plays um and and this one could get out of hand either way very very easily so should be a lot of points might be might take a lot of time here with this game uh in terms of just the clock being stopped and a bunch of passing but two teams who are who are who are um you know, at different stages of motivation for sure. I'm really interested to see how creative Kansas can be with a couple weeks to get prepared for one singular opponent uh, with this light hold offense.
0: I will take it. I will be official on it. Give me Kansas plus the three before this thing gets down to uh, two and a half, two, et cetera. Uh, I'll take the three. I think it's gonna be back and forth. I like the uh, the team that has the uh, the more explosive offense and the maybe the better play caller. Uh, and that's that's maybe saying something against Kendall Bryles, but there's been some offensive issues at Arkansas this year. So I, I will, I will roll with Kansas on this one. We'll move on ahead in the action. This one of course is on Wednesday, December 28th as well, 8 PM Eastern time kickoff on Fox. And it is the holiday bowl, Oregon against North Carolina and Oregon, a 14 and a half point favorite. The total sits at 73 and a half. And that just feels like a whole lot of numbers here. Uh, just at 14 and a half in a bowl game is kind of kind of nuts. Petco Park in San Diego, California is where this one's taking place. North Carolina, one and five straight up, two and four against the spread in bowl games. Oregon, two and five straight up and against the spread in bowl games. Neither one of these guys tend to show up for bowls, uh, for whatever that's worth, <laughs> probably nothing for this season. Uh, but neither one of them really ended the year well. Parker, I want to I want to start off with you on this. Oregon has got a few guys that are sitting out. North Carolina has got a lot more than a few guys sitting out. They've got uh, Downs has opted out, the wide receiver, uh, the cornerback Grimes and Storm Duck, which awesome name, right? Uh, the safety Kelly, the linebacker Dilworth, et cetera. They're all in the portal. You, The offensive coordinator, Phil Longo, now at Wisconsin. This is another one of those where you're trying to get an idea of exactly what these teams will be without all these pieces that you have seen them have all season. How different... Can the uh, can the team be when you subtract these pieces? uh, I don't know how in the world you could make an official play on this other than maybe expecting points. Uh, But which which way are you maybe leaning or which way would your numbers say you should lean on this one, Parker?
2: I have the projected points at about 77. Um, So I definitely expecting a ton of points here. Obviously, motivation and depth down the stretch will matter for the whole game total there but two teams that are top 15 in offense North Carolina is 12th in EPA per play Oregon is 5th and two teams that are in the bottom in the bottom uh, uh quintile of uh defenses with UNC being 124th and Oregon being 101st Downs being out is really hard for UNC because last year you know he had like 43% of targets was super involved this season only about 25% but the attention that he demanded and commanded on so many plays, really let them set up their offense. And if you go back and watch, you know, the the hits of Drake May this year, a lot of them are just find Josh Downs and get the ball in that area and know your guy's gonna go get it. So um, definitely a huge, huge uh, option for them kind of lost without Downs, uh, but they're still 11th in EPA per pass this season and they're passing at a high volume. They're 31st in rush rate ever expected. So they're really, you know, high volume passing, high efficiency, that bodes well. Um, and specifically, both of these teams are, are really good on on third downs, 8th for UNC, 12th in the nation on third and fourth down success for Oregon's offense. So I do expect a lot of long drives, um, and I think finishing drives will matter here. I would slightly lean um, away from UNC in the red zone per, per se, um, and a little bit more towards Oregon finishing those drives. But again, with the uncertainty, I'm not sure that a side really matters because who knows who's going to have a prove-it game, who's going to who's going to check out early. Uh, But I do think there's going to be a ton of points here.
0: Yeah, the the PPA margin here, I I failed to mention, by the way, uh, the offensive coordinator, Kenny Dillingham, uh, for Oregon is also gone. He's going to be the head coach at Arizona State. So both OCs gone in this game. But again, you've still got two really good quarterbacks in Bo Nix and, of course, Drake May. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to move over to you on this. The PPA margin since week eight, Oregon is number 26, North Carolina number 102, uh, you got two really good offenses and you got two just uh, almost dreadful defenses here. Oregon has got an advantage in points per scoring opportunity, uh, points per play margin, turnover margin, et cetera. It is, it's pretty nuts. Uh, which way would you maybe be leaning in a handicap on this one?
1: Well, Parker was talking about uh, one of the previous games could take a long time. I think this game's going to take a long time because there's going to be a lot of scoring, a lot of uh, fast-paced action, a lot of passing. North Carolina's defense, we know how terrible they were to start with. Then they lose all those guys. Uh, The secondary is in big trouble without Storm Duck, Cameron Kelly, uh, Tony Grimes. Uh, They were 120th in success rate allowed and 115th in yards per play allowed. And now they're worse. Uh, They're going up against a really efficient, very good offense. Uh, I know Dillingham's not there, but I do think uh, Oregon's offense will be in fine shape uh, despite that. Josh Downs opted out. That certainly hurts uh, North Carolina quite a bit. Uh, They still have a a great quarterback, for sure. I agree with Parker that the question is whether North Carolina can finish those drives, because we've seen some issues in the red zone with them in the past. Um, Oregon's defense is kind of worse than people think. I mean, if you look at their numbers, they're really bad, too. Uh, They probably won't be really bad for a long time, especially with the kind of signing day that they're having here today. But uh, they are right now. And uh, Oregon is uh, 101st in the country in yards per play allowed. Uh, opponents have converted on 48.3% of third down conversion attempts, which is about as bad as anybody in the country. Oregon, pretty quick pace. Uh, UNC, very fast. I'm very confident Oregon's going to score quite a few points here. The team total is something that I thought about. I believe it's 44. That's such a high number for a team total, definitely. Um, the, The thing that worries me a little bit about taking a team total over is what if North Carolina doesn't finish those drives and they get way behind and late in the game, Oregon's not really trying to score anymore and they finish with 42 or something like that? I could see that happening. I'm going to go with the first half over in this one. I'm going to take first half over 35 and a half. Um, my thought here is this could easily be a 21 17, 24 14 game at halftime. I think North Carolina can at least have success for a while on offense. Um, maybe they don't have as many great options on offense. I think Oregon can score. Throughout this game, and I think that um, you know the first half number is pretty fair in a game like this. I don't like taking a really high over with a spread of fourteen and a half because you wonder if it'll be close at the end to to keep the points coming. But in the first half, they should be plenty motivated, to be scoring. So I'm gonna take the first half over thirty-five and a half.
0: That's it. We'll make it official: thirty-five and a half for Kyle on this, uh, taking the over in the first half. And uh, when you really think about it, you look at that number and you're going. Man, 35 and a half points. That feels like a lot of points in the first half. Uh, but as you said, 24 to 14 will get you there. Like that, It's its really not that crazy. 21-17, uh, you're, you're going over and and cashing a check. That ain't so bad. So uh, no no official play on the spread on this one because, my goodness, why would you? But uh, we expect points galore, and Kyle's going to roll with the first half over. All right, reminder here, let me go on and tell you again about the podcast, the U.S. Football Show. It is both the College Football Feed and and the NFL feed all right there. in one night, nice, neat little package, whatever on your podcast feed, make sure you are subscribed at Apple or Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And, uh, do us a favor. Leave us a nice five-star review. That would certainly help things out. Jump in the chat for the Q and see Corey, I see Mark, I see Gil, I see Joe, I see Julius. Uh, you guys are awesome. You make the show, uh, Kenneth in here as well, which by the way, Kenneth, ask your question from yesterday and give us some more details. If you would so kindly, um, But yeah, yeah, you guys make up the show, jump in the Q&A there, uh, jump in the chat and give us some questions for the Q&A at the end of the show. Uh, Like the video. I I see several more people have liked the video, so go ahead and like that. Make sure and subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. We will be here next week, Tuesday and Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, It's going to be a good time. Good time. We got a lot more bowl games to discuss next week as well, so make sure that you are here. If you have not already, go back and watch the Tuesday show. Just, just your reminder. All right, gentlemen, we're headed to the Texas Bowl, Houston, Texas, NRG Stadium. The Texas Bowl has Texas Tech and Ole Miss, and the Rebels are a three and a half point favorite. The total sits at sixty nine and a half on this. Whew, it's a lot of points, and it's gone up. I mean, the total was at sixty five and a half. Ole Miss eight and two straight up in their last ten bowl appearances. They are seven two and one against the spread in those. Texas Tech seven and three straight up in their last ten bowl appearances. They are three and seven against the spread in bowl games. So, yeah, a little different trend. Both of them tend to win a lot, but uh, but one covers and one does not. Kyle, I want to start with you on this. Uh, Texas Tech has got you know some guys out. Eh, the linebacker Wilson is injured. He's got 14 tackles for loss. So he's not going to play. The safety Pearson is transferring. Uh, the quarterback, Donovan Smith, has transferred over to Houston, or at least announced, so he's not going to play in this. Uh, Tyler Shuck, I believe, is going to be starting in this game. He has for uh, the past however many games. The defense, surprisingly good since week eight. Number 45 PPA per drive, number 56 PPA per rush. So maybe they will be able to put up some kind of a fight against Ole Miss here. Uh, not, not a ton of opt-outs here for... Um, for Ole Miss, you know the defensive end Clowney, who hadn't played a whole lot, the cornerback Battle uh, is going to be out. He's a starter. Uh, the quarterback, too, uh, Altmaier. He's in the portal. And I think we should expect a ton of runs from Ole Miss here, obviously. But Kyle, when I look at when I look at the way that these two teams finished the season, you know Texas Tech finished three and zero straight up and against the spread in their last three. Ole Miss, once they hit the tough part of their schedule, one and five against the spread in their last six games. Just not great. Uh, how how would you break this one down?
1: Yeah, I think we did kind of nail Ole Miss as far as being a team that would be good for a long while, and then the end of the the year would hurt them with the schedule. Um, there's a couple different ways you look at this. Fifty-seven uh, percent of the bets on Texas Tech, which kind of surprises me a little bit. So, uh, you know, fading the public would take Ole Miss. The better defense angle would also take Ole Miss, but. The problem I have with the better defense, if you just look at yards per play and stuff, we talked about Ole Miss, about the middle of the season. I feel like their their defense is kind of fake good. They're not really that good. Um, Parker said at one point, I think they were, they're fake good or something like that. And it, it was, you know, truer words have never been spoken. So
2: Dude, this is- Dude, they made Davis Brand look like a star, man. Yes,
1: they did. That was a foreshadowing of what was to come, right? So- um, Against good offenses, Ole Miss was was bad, you know. So do we consider Texas Tech a good offense? I mean, they're at least pretty good. Uh, Donovan Smith transferring doesn't really mean anything. He was probably their third best option the way he had played so far this year. Uh, Texas Tech eighth in strength of schedule at Sagarin. Ole Miss 38th, which is interesting. The Big 12 was certainly good. Um, You have two teams that are first and fifth in the nation in tempo. So lots of pace here in this game. Fun matchup, very fast. Um, Like you said, Gary, Ole Miss runs the ball a lot, and that's made them a good underteam because they actually run so much that even though they're playing fast, the clock is at least moving. Uh, I think, you know, Miles' battle out for the Ole Miss secondary hurts quite a bit. Uh, Jake Thornton, the O-line coach at Ole Miss, left to go to uh, Auburn. And, you know, this is an Auburn team, or Auburn team, of course. Uh, We're not going to talk about Auburn today. Uh, Ole Miss, plus 19 in sack margin. uh, Texas Tech, minus 10 in sack margin. Uh, Something to keep an eye on. Ole Miss definitely brings the pressure. Um, Texas Tech, not great in pass protection. Uh, The Ole Miss defense is good at not giving up big plays, but they give up a lot of success. Uh, Texas Tech is the opposite. They they give up a lot of big plays. I'm going to lean Texas Tech here. I think this is a really tough total to bet because I I like betting unders in general with a team that runs as much as Ole Miss, but you really want to bet an under with the first and fifth tempo teams and you really don't think either defense is that good. So I'm just going to lean Texas tech in this game.
0: I could certainly understand that. I, I would personally lean the other way. I think Judkins and Evans are are going to have big days. If Evans is even playing, Um, he, he was not in for a good portion of the back half of the schedule. Uh, Parker, I want to, I want to move over to you. PPA margin uh, from week eight on Ole Miss number 36, Texas tech number 44, it, you start looking at some of these others that I always like to bring up here. The turnover margin, Ole Miss number 78, Texas Tech number 115. The penalties, Ole Miss number 84, Texas Tech number 50. And really, when you look at these two teams, which I believe Mike uh, Mike M pulled it up. Uh, he said Lane went for the fourth down against Alabama. And the whole season changed. Look, these are both the kings of the fourth down attempts, right? They, they They trust the analytics. They go for it. They risk it when they need to. I think you're going to maybe see some chaos here. I'd, I'd lean Ole Miss here, even with that uh, hook there, but I'd, I'm curious what your numbers would say.
2: Well, I think that um, there, there's kind of two two big uh, personnel issues with Texas Tech that are three, rather, that, that are important. One of them's good. Two of them are bad. One, with Tyler Chuck, they've been a much better team. Just when he's been healthy and they've started, I think they're undefeated with him and five and one since last season when he is healthy, although some of that might be against FCS competition. So buyer beware, but... Um, Losing Donovan Smith does change the equation for Texas Tech, specifically in their wins against Oklahoma and Texas. He was pretty involved in the fourth down game, even if Oklahoma, I think he had nine. Um, let me make sure I say that correctly. Yeah, he had eight snaps, but only one rushing attempt. He was just on the field as a decoy, uh, something to account for and really gives them some dimensionality in an offense where they don't necessarily have guys or or dudes. They have players who are who are. Uh, uniquely talented and kind of a mismatch for for what they want to do. But Zach Kittley really good at just kind of mixing things up. So without Smith, that really limits them. On the defensive side, Tyree Wilson did declare for the draft. He is by and far the best player on their defense, probably one of the best defensive players in the Big 12. Um, and with without that kind of presence on the defensive line, I, I do think that I would lean towards Ole Miss um, just being a little more physical on offense. You know, uh, Texas Tech is 72nd in EPA per rush. Ole Miss rushes uh, about as much as anyone in the country, 11.0 rush rate over expected. That's close to triple option numbers, uh, the service academies. They really want to pound and, and ground the ball, and they're 30th at EPA per rush, uh, 15th in rushing success rate. So I think with physicality, Ole Miss can actually try to slow this game down by rushing a lot and running the clock a lot, which would put a lot more pressure on Tyler Shuck to be a little more precise in his passing and the offense to be a little more competent a little less gimmicky but that being said I don't trust all misses defensive backs I don't do it at all um and and so I don't know that uh, I it wouldn't surprise me if Tyler Shuck has a pretty good game against what has been a, a a not great secondary here so that that kind of uncertainty and those opt-outs for Texas Tech make me reluctant to bet on them I would slightly lean um I I, I, I if those guys are in, maybe I could talk myself into a Texas Tech bet here. But I think I have to lean towards uh, Ole Miss's physicality and the run game being the decisive factor here.
0: And I, I think maybe you can correlate those two. If you're going to trust Ole Miss's physicality in this game, uh, the under, you know, as Kyle was talking about, the under 69 and a half might be uh, a good way to roll with this. But no, no official play here. Just a, a couple of leans. Kyle might lean towards Texas Tech. Uh, Parker and I leaning towards Ole Miss. I would uh, certainly lean an under here because I'd, I'm not expecting a ton of points. And remember last year, Texas Tech, big win over Mississippi State in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, they won that game 34-7, to seven. and you know 41 total points. I believe the total was uh, somewhere in the, the lower 60s. So they, if, if they decide to shut them down, like, they can certainly make this thing an under quickly. Moving right along, we now head from Texas up to New York City. That's right, the Bronx, New York, Yankee Stadium, the Pinstripe Bowl, Syracuse, and Minnesota. And the Golden Gophers are a 10-point favorite. The total sits at 42. This one's on Thursday, December 29th, 2 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. And, uh, yeah, this is a weird one. Uh, The latest numbers are at BetUS, by the way. Two teams that uh, that like to win and like to cover bowl games, Syracuse 4-0 against the spread and straight up in their last four bowls. Minnesota 5 and 0 against the spread and straight up in their last five bowls. So trends would make you lean uh, one way or the other, but in, not in this one. They're both heading in the same direction. Syracuse, the offensive coordinator Robert and I is gone. Uh, the quarterback coach Beck does take over, so he at least knows the offense. Uh, the defensive coordinator Tony White is now over at Nebraska. The running back Sean Tucker opted out here. Uh, you've got the defensive lineman Linton, the cornerback Chestnut, the wide receiver Jackson are all in the portal. Minnesota, you've got the linebacker, Oliver, and the safety, Dixon, in the portal. Tanner Morgan is reportedly practicing. It appears that he uh, is going to at least try and give it a go in this one. But Minnesota won four of their last five games. Fleck is uh, 3-0 and against the spread in bowls. Uh, Parker, let's let's start with you on this one. You look at net points per drive. Uh, you've, you've got Minnesota at number 15, Syracuse at number 63. That's just a, a very basic way of looking at how these two teams have done throughout the season. Uh, PPA margin since week eight is just a disaster for Syracuse. Number 108, once they hit the back half of that schedule, Minnesota is number 46 there. This Syracuse team just, the wheels fell off. We'll say that. Uh, Is there any way that they kind of reel this thing back in uh, and maybe find a way to uh, at least cover the 10 against uh, the Golden Gophers here?
2: Um, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I don't know how you can bet on on Syracuse in, in the way that they've played, but I also don't love Minnesota kind of limping to the finish here. Um, Minnesota looked good early, but against better competition, faded pretty fast. Have had some depth issues. Um, the, these two teams really embody the idea that like recruiting and and depth do matter. Like you need to have more guys on your roster one to get better reps in practice, but two so that down the stretch you're not plugging in walk-ons and and two stars into situations where where better guys have played minnesota's 50th in team talent composite this year syracuse 66 and you can see that the bottom drops out pretty quickly for for both teams i expect we'll see a ton of rushing here um, which would favor minnesota pending uh you know who they who they actually have rolling out there at running back if morgan plays i'd like to think that the rpo will will matter a whole lot syracuse's defense huge split on run and pass 106th in epa per rush allowed 48th and epa per pass which leads me to think that not only are they bad against the rush there are some gains to be made in exploiting the the pass and what better way to do that than with an experienced quarterback like tanner morgan who's very good at the rpo glance the read um there so i i i don't want to bet on minnesota i got burned a couple times this year and 10 points here in a bowl game man i just i don't know if i i don't know if i trust him on that but i have no reason to put any money on 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 this kind of uh, you know, rotting, rotting husk of a Syracuse team. Uh, frankly, <laughs> I love it. I, I feel like
0: you took my notes here. Uh, I've got a. i have got I mean, is
2: that is that unfair? I feel like that's too hard to say. No, like, look, I don't think it's hard. and they've lost five of six, and their only win was a Boston College team who's not even rotting husk. They've been under Boston College's been underground for for years now. Like yes, uh, it's just it's just a bad situation.
0: Yes, it, it is most certainly that. Dino Babers, uh, I I think did enough to save his job this year. So that is. Uh, certainly a good thing but obviously losing both coordinators before the bowl game not not great having the star running back opt out not great uh, Kyle you know we're going to move over to you uh, Parker pointed out there like he there's nothing that could make him bet on Syracuse here but he also doesn't trust Minnesota I literally have nothing points to Syracuse but don't trust Minnesota to cover that's <laughs> that's the note that I have here <laughs> uh, I'm I'm curious your thoughts on this uh how how are these teams going to score like that? That's kind of what I'm thinking here is I, I just I don't trust either one of them to put up a bunch of points.
1: Yeah, I, I promise, guys, we didn't actually share notes beforehand, but we think a lot the same on this one. And uh, I love the rotting husk. Uh, this show is always a lot of fun to do. We get some good laughs in here as well. Um, you know, Sean Tucker opted out. I think you could probably see that one coming for a long ways. Uh, a massive loss for Syracuse certainly. Uh, fullback's injured for Syracuse as well. They have more injuries than a normal team. Also, I think Robert and I is a really big loss. He's a good offensive coordinator for sure. Um, and Minnesota on offense. So uh, when Otman Bell went out with an injury, uh, that limited their upside on offense for sure. Uh, he was a really good player. Morgan has had a concussion, and uh, no one really saying too much about his status. The the odds. Uh, moving toward Minnesota is making me think that he's going to play. I wouldn't think that they'd want him to take a lot of shots here because, you know, he's had several concussions at this point. Uh, Minnesota's backup quarterback hasn't been very good. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, uh, but uh, the, the golden gophers are going to run the ball a lot in this game, regardless of who's a quarterback. Uh, I think it'd be extremely run heavy. It wouldn't surprise me if it's, you know, 70% of their plays or more are runs. Minnesota's 129th in tempo at 131 teams. If they're running that much and they're playing that slowly, that clock is going to be bleeding uh, big time. And um, I would worry the my one worry about the under is that Syracuse's run defense is pretty bad. I mean, that's a, that's a bad run defense. They might be gashing them with the run. The hope is if they know the run's coming, they can at least slow it down at least some. I do remember having the under in last year's bowl game between Minnesota and West Virginia. At the end of that game, Minnesota was doing a fantastic job of bleeding the clock. I mean, these guys – uh, you know, they get about four yards every play and run the clock down to one second and they take up eight minutes to to finish the game. I'm going to hope for something the same here. Uh, Syracuse offense allowed 41 sacks this year. Uh, they, they have a really bad offensive line. We could have said that for several years in a row, certainly. Um, the Q's defense, not good overall, but they have not given up big plays. I was really surprised to see 32 plays of 20 yards or more, which is second best in the country. So they give up. Uh, quite a bit of success, but not big plays. So um, the only thing that I wish is I wish I knew more wh- about about the weather forecast. This is outside, obviously, at Yankee Stadium. Uh, my The weather geek in me wants to know exactly what the weather will be like. Uh, when we're talking about them quite a few days ahead, it's kind of hard. But we do know it's the type of year, the time of year, where this is the type of game that could have uh, a good thing for under because you're talking late December in New York City, Uh, It it could definitely help. It won't hurt. So I'm going to take the under in this one. I'm going to take under 42 because uh, I like Minnesota running the clock. Uh, I don't think Syracuse's offense is any good at this point. So I think under 42 is a good look.
0: I I think that does make sense. Official play, Kyle, under 42 on this. And yeah, you brought up Syracuse not giving up big plays, but you don't don't have to have big plays against them when they are number 126 in defensive success allowed uh, since week eight. Like, they, they, are, they are bottom seven in the country, or bottom, uh, excuse me, bottom five, I guess, bottom five or six in the country when it comes to defensive success allowed. That is brutal, absolutely brutal. So I, I do like an under here. I, I could see this one, you know, crawling down. It's been stuck at 42 basically since uh, since the line opened. Yeah, I, I would expect it to move a little bit. All right. Reminder, go ahead and like the video if you would so kindly make sure and subscribe to the channel and uh, hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live here. Of course, we are doing that every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Along with that, if you've not already, jump into the chat for the Q&A at the end of the at the end of the show. Excuse me. Um, We got Kenneth Collins. We got Mike M. We got Mark. uh, We got Gil in here. You guys are fantastic. You keep the chat rolling, and uh, and honestly, I feel like the chat probably the best part of the show to be completely honest here. Don't forget about yesterday's show. Don't forget about the podcast. We're moving right along. Gentlemen, Thursday, December 29th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we have the Cheez-It Bowl. That's right. That's right. The Cheez-It Bowl. Oklahoma against Florida State. Now, Florida State is a 9.5 point favorite here. Uh, juiced at minus 115. The total sits at 65 and a half this one is at camping world stadium in orlando florida so i would expect florida state to have a little bit of a home field advantage here kyle i do want to start with you on this oklahoma two and three straight up and against the spread in the last five bowl games florida state this is their first bowl since 2019 so you're not really used to hearing that they had a streak going for a very very long time but alas i uh, this is the first one, so I would expect a little bit of motivation here uh, for Florida State. They are 5-0 and o straight up, 4-1 and one against the spread to end the season. Obviously, we all went with Florida State at the end of the year against the Gators, and they did not get that cover, but, man, they put up some points. And the issue that I see here, Kyle, is that Eric Gray is uh, opting out of this game, uh, along with the, uh, the tackles, uh, Harrison and Morris. Uh, the defensive lineman, Redmond, have opted out. Florida State, there's not, a, there's not a bunch of guys that have opted out here. So, it, Lovett's going to play. Um, no, no, no. I think uh, we're waiting on Lovett. We're waiting on Lovett. I know the defensive lineman, Jared Verse, is going to play. The safety, Robinson. Uh, Travis is going to play. I, I, I see a lot of things that point Florida State here. I'm, I'm curious what your handicap would say
1: i think eric gray means a lot to the oklahoma offense i mean uh, if you look at the the data he has been far better than most people realize so i think him opting out is a massive loss Um, you know the oklahoma will probably get their points as well at least a decent amount but uh, you look at oklahoma's defense uh, florida state should have a lot of success on offense in this game florida state was fifth in the nation in yards per play margin plus 2.11 it feels like a lot of people don't realize how good they were especially late in the season uh, there's no reason to think Florida State won't be motivated in this game either. I think they'll be highly motivated. Uh, no really big guys opting out, at least thus far. The question usually for Florida State on offense is how good will the passing game be because they usually can run. I don't even know if they need to throw it much in this game because Oklahoma's run defense, 90th in success rate allowed against the run. Uh, it's going to be one of the better rushing attacks they played all year. For so many years, it was the offensive line that really held Florida State back. Uh, they're pretty good on the offensive line this year. And I think credit to Norvell for fixing that mess that Jimbo kind of left behind for him. Uh, that was that was really tough spot to be in, certainly. Florida State, 51st in strength of schedule, Oklahoma 11th, which is the one thing that's going to make you be, at least hesitate a little bit in this game. It's rare to see a team with that much weaker of a schedule favored by this much, so I did hesitate here. I'm going to let the other guys have the official play in this one, but I definitely lean Florida State in this one.
0: I I see I see where you're coming from on this. Uh, Norvell is four and o, or excuse me, o and four against the spread in bowl games. So that certainly uh, makes you think. Now that was all at Memphis. So it's it's uh, it's a little different when you're at Florida State, I think. Uh, but yes, that strength of schedule certainly certainly plays a, a part of this. Florida State number three PPA per rush since week eight, as you brought up, Kyle. Uh, Oklahoma's defense is number ninety-seven in that metric, uh, it looks like something that Florida state should certainly be able to take advantage of. You start looking at the offense for Florida state against Oklahoma, just overall number six in PPA per drive. since week eight, Oklahoma defense, number 84 Parker, uh, I'm going to you on this Uh, Oklahoma, their offense leans on the running game without Eric gray. I I don't know uh, how successful they can be even against Florida state. Who's number 72 PPA per rush since week eight. Uh, I'm, i'm real curious here what what you think i am i'm gonna roll with florida state but I, i'm curious where you're going here
2: december 4th in the group chat to both of you i said initial impressions on bowls. uh florida state is gonna womp oklahoma and i stand by that that was one of my earliest bets here Um, the, the, the wind is out for Oklahoma. I mean, they're, they're two and five and they beat an Oklahoma state team who, who didn't have 22 starters, um, and an Iowa state team who can't score if you hand them the ball on, on your own two yard line. So, um, really, really rough for them down the stretch. They lose, uh, gray is a a quarter of their yards just before you even get into advanced metrics. You just look at rushing and passing. He's a quarter of their offense, takes away a huge weapon for They're down two offensive linemen starters, um. I mean, and not not that we're putting this in as as voodoo into a handicap here, but like they had a pretty bad day today on signing day. I think there's a lot of wind kind of taken out of the sails of Oklahoma right now. They certainly have the opportunity to process, but or um, to to prepare. But man, I, I Florida State has outkicked um, you know the down and down business of football for two years in a row now. Nordell's team has played much better than their record. They're fourth in raw EPA per play margin. They're thirteenth on offense. And specifically, they're 20th in EPA per rush, which is what Oklahoma's defense is so bad at. They're 95th in EPA per rush allowed. Um, we've seen, you know, the Baylor game, they allowed 300 yards in, in rushing and just just couldn't stop them to save their lives. Um, you get a mobile quarterback in there and, and really gets to test this defense. Um, this is one of my favorite plays. I'm, I'm going to trust Florida State here to, to take, a, take advantage of a Sooners team that's, that's really just not in it right now.
0: I, I am with you on this i am going to roll with florida state as well to cover the nine and a half uh, it opened at eight it has crept up a little bit i'm surprised it's not gotten to that 10 just yet but again this game is uh it, what eight days away from today I, I think this number will continue to grow as we get a little bit closer um this this looks like a huge mismatch maybe dylan gabriel has a little bit of success here. Uh, But, man, you are relying on him being healthy. You are relying on on a lot here. So I I will ride Florida State as well as Parker. Those are the official plays on this one. We've got one more game to discuss. So, hey, let's take it on back down to Texas. And this one's in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. It is the Alamo Bowl, 9 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN on Thursday, December 29th. Texas, a four-point favorite the latest total is 67 and a half on this. That's up from 65. Of course, latest numbers at BetUS. At Texas 4-0 straight up and against the spread in their last four bowl games. None of those were coached by Steve Sarkeesian because he did not make a bowl last year. Uh 3-1 straight up and against the spread to end the season. Washington. This is their first bowl since 2019. Uh, they are three and zero straight up and against the spread to end this season as well. Michael Penix certainly ended on a hot streak there against Washington state against Oregon, et cetera. Uh, this team looks really, really good right now. The Texas running backs, uh, Robinson, you know, Bijan Robinson, I think everybody knows him, the linebacker overshone. Uh, they are opting out. I believe that the other running back Johnson is opting out of this, or at least it's been reported. Uh, the transfers Hudson card. So if anything happens with Quinn, Ewers. i Who knows what will happen there? Uh, The offense is number 64 PPA per drive since week eight. Uh, The offense hadn't been great. I think that's uh, easy to see here. Uh, Washington's offense has been awesome, but their defense, not very good. Number 89 PPA per uh, drive since week eight on that. Kyle, I want to start with you here. Uh, These two teams, like the mismatch would have been the Texas running game against that Washington defense. Uh, Washington's defense is number 105 in success rate allowed uh, against the running game. Uh, what, which direction uh, would you be looking for a handicap here?
1: Well, I mean, I, I, you kind of ask yourself at the beginning, like if Texas was at full strength, what would this line be? Because it would be a lot different than this, definitely. And I think we would all think differently about how we would handicap the game, even at a different line, because like you said, Texas could run on Washington very well, but instead of having uh, the best running back in the country, they're to like, what, a fourth string running back? So that's a pretty big difference. Uh, Ewers will probably have some success here. Uh, this is a, a game where uh, the key to the handicap, in my opinion, is what is the motivation level for Texas? They have had a lot of guys opt out. I know it's a virtual home game for them, but... Uh, Washington seems to care a lot about this game. Michael Penix has been quoted several times talking about how excited he is to play in a bowl game. Uh, I don't think anybody's gonna opt out here for Washington or at least nobody uh, significant. I think this is a game where they're highly motivated. Um, Texas was a lot better against the run than the pass. And that doesn't make you match up too great against Washington because Washington's gonna throw it around. They throw it on nearly 60% of their offensive plays. I think they'll throw it a lot in this one. Uh, Fast-track, depleted Texas defense. I think Washington will score quite a few points here, and I would consider a Washington team total over in this game. Uh, The question is, how many will Washington give up? Uh, I I think Texas will still get their points. Uh, Like I said, on the fast track, Washington's defense has been beatable. Um, But in this one, uh, I have to bring up strength of schedule because obviously you know, there's, there's a big difference. Texas third in strength of schedule, Washington 57th. This is a tough handicap for me. Uh, You know, an inconsistent team in Texas, too. We've seen them look very good at times. We've seen them look very ordinary at times. I lean Washington, but I think my favorite play here would be a Washington team total over, honestly.
0: I could certainly understand that, especially on that fast track. Uh, I would expect a lot of points in this game. I mean, maybe just an overall total um, or an over for that total uh, would make a whole lot of sense here. Parker. You know, I'm looking at some more of these numbers here. Number one in passing down success since week eight is Washington. Texas's defense is number 81 in that metric. Uh, Washington is number five in offensive PPA per drive. Texas's defense is number 43 overall. This is when you look at the overall, I guess, efficiency numbers, you start looking at uh, the fact that neither one of these teams turns the ball over. Washington is number eight. Texas, number 15 in giveaways per game. Uh, Both average only about six penalties per game. Uh, so that's pretty low as far as the, uh, the country is concerned. Number 10 and number 11 in net points per drive. Uh, but you start looking at PPA margin, especially from week eight on. And Washington is number 17 in PPA margin. Texas number 42. And now you got guys that are going to be out for Texas as well. That is uh, certainly something to consider here. I like Washington in this game. Uh, Parker, I'm, I'm curious what you like here.
2: I'm going to roll with you as well. I, I want to say one for Texas. It's uh, Keelan Robinson is their third string uh, running back who, who definitely would play and, and maybe start at a lot of FBS schools. They are extremely deep in the running back room, but he doesn't have a lot of experience this year, not a lot of reps, and I think that is going to matter a little bit. So I don't expect their running game to completely bottom out, but I am worried about their defense, specifically without um, uh, Overshawn, who is uh, number number two in tackles and number five in pressures for that defense, kind of plays a swing role, and and is really important kind of a linchpin there. They're going to have to replace that production. And as you both mentioned, I mean Michael Penix can just sling it. Um, we we did that on the Heisman show and talked about in terms of total EPA matching the Heisman candidates to historical Heisman candidates. Kind of feels like Michael Penix was left out. I think he's got a lot to prove here, and he's coming back next year um, for for a season where I believe Washington is thinking Pac-12 championship and and playoff. I think that's what's in their sights um, next next season. So. Uh, I, a lot to prove here. I think there's a huge motivation gap. Um, I saw someone in the chat did say Texas had a good day today, and they did. They they recruited well. They've been recruiting well for a while now. At some point, they've got to stop with the next year and, and have it this year. And I, I really don't feel like this year is this year for, for Texas. So you get a couple opt-outs there. You get some focus on to next year. Definitely going to want to protect yours. Um One, because they want him healthy for next year, but two, because they really don't want to have to put a third stringer out there and 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 uh, and, and and risk something bad happening there to their quarterback room. So um uh, a huge motivation gap here. Washington's offense into of the season number one overall in raw EPA per play, uh, second in passing third in rushing. And their first in third and fourth down success rate. On offense, Texas' defense, 92nd, and they're losing, arguably, their best player. I think Washington's going to put up a lot of points. I'm going to ride with the Huskies plus four.
0: I am doing the same. So we'll make it official, uh, Parker and myself, both like Washington plus the four. It just feels like too many points. I don't, you know, it maybe Washington doesn't win, but this thing, it, I think, may be about a field goal, right? Either, either direction. Uh, it's going to be a lot of points. I expect some points on that fast track. All right, gentlemen, let me go ahead and tell you right quick. We have got an odds boost for all of you, and, and maybe some of you saw it in the chat. Who knows? Uh, but we've got an odds boost for South Alabama tonight. Uh, for them to win the first quarter against Western Kentucky, it was plus 100. It is now plus 150 over at US. So if you want to take advantage of that heading into the New Orleans Bowl this evening, uh, that sounds like a pretty decent play. There's been a lot of steam on Austin Reed and Western Kentucky here lately, but uh, i got to tell you, I still kind of like South Alabama there. So uh, let's do the uh, let's do the Q&A a little bit. Let's uh, well here. How about this? Let me remind everybody first, like the video, if you would, please. And uh, and tell your friends about the show. Make sure you are subscribed and, uh, you know, share it out and all that good stuff. That, that certainly helps us out with that. The podcast as well. And we're going to dive into uh, some questions here. Uh, let's see. We've got duh, 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 Kenneth Collins. All right. Let's see. Guys, uh, this is from Kenneth Collins. I'm going to clean up my question from yesterday. I want the three of you to give a most surprising uh, or overachieving team and a most disappointing team. I respect all three of you. Merry Christmas. Hey, I I appreciate that. We respect you as well. Uh, You know what, Kyle, do you have a, uh, a most overachieving team this year?
1: I'm going to go with Tulane, Tulane with a huge bounce back. I mean, 11 and two against the spread this year, fantastic season from them. I think we all thought they'd be better. I mean, last year they had a really disappointing season, but to go from what they were last year to be in the type of bowl game that they are now, just a massive, uh, massive difference. So super impressive. Um, I got to think on the disappointment here for a minute. Uh, Who would be the big disappointment? There was obviously plenty of disappointments around this year. Um,
0: here, let me, let me grab the overachieving. I'll give one out. Uh, Troy was, like, I, don't get me wrong. You and I both were all over uh, Troy this year um, because of the, the changeover in coach. But for them to, I mean, move to 12 wins this year, like, that is a massive, massive improvement. Uh, did not expect that. I expected a good year. I expected them to win the Sun Belt West. I can't tell you I expected them to go 12-2. and two. <laughs> Just not going to be able to do that. So that would be uh, my overachieving team this year, Parker. If you got a, if you got an overachiever here, and then we'll we'll go back around with some disappointing ones.
2: Yeah, I, I, one one came to mind for both of them. So I'm I'm, I'm happy for this question, Kenneth, and thanks for clarifying it. Uh, TC is my overachieving team. I thought eight and four yes. would be an excellent season this year, based on you know they had returning production. That's great, but where they've been the last couple of years. Um, and frankly, the, the the nature of their wins this season, how close they were um, in a lot of situations. I think TCO has absolutely overperformed what anyone could have expected, uh, perhaps to a bigger degree than, than anyone in the nation, given that they're in the playoff and, and uh, had an undefeated regular season. Uh, Kyle, how about a, a disappointing team here?
1: Yeah, so this is kind of the obvious one. When I was rolling through my head, uh, I'm like, I have to say Miami here. I mean, the Hurricanes, what a terrible season. Uh, five and seven in crystal ball season there. And then two and 10 against the spread. I, I, I think it was kind of set up for them to have success in an ACC that was so weak. And for them to be that bad was pretty shocking.
0: I think that I will stay in the ACC. I think I'm going to go wake forest. And I, yeah, maybe you shouldn't say that that's disappointing for them to go seven and five, but when you've got Sam Hartman, when you've got AT Perry, you've got everything rolling in the way that they looked against Clemson early in the season it really looked like they were going to be uh, a really, really good team. I think they were up to top 10 at some point this season, and the wheels just fell off towards the end. So Wake, Wake Forest would be mine on that. Uh, Parker, who have you got for a, a disappointment?
2: Um, I, I think there's a lot of answers. Like you could certainly say North Carolina State with just how much they were hyped this offseason and how they kind of got the critical mass of uh, you know consensus dark horse to the point of being overrated. I'm going to say Central Michigan just because I was really high on them. I like Daniel Richardson a lot. I thought this is going to be my MAC darling this year, and boy, did the did the bottom fall out of that? I'm I'm staring at a um, uh, a Central Michigan win the MAC West and win the MAC ticket that are aren't, aren't worth me lighting them on fire to keep myself warm. So, uh, definitely an under underachieving team this season. Um, the other one that came to mind was BYU um yes. they returned a lot of a bad defense and arguably got worse so uh it's certainly not something you expect in kind of the history of, of college football and how development works uh BYU was poised to have a really really good season had the schedule to maybe do something crazy uh and just could not could not defend anyone to save their lives so that was another uh, underpointing uh, or, or disappointing team
0: I want Oklahoma and Wisconsin fans to take note that we did not include your teams in the most
2: disappointing <laughs> Just so you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make fun of you because like half your roster was injured. That's not there. That's agreed.
0: Agreed. (laughs) Uh, We've got another question from Corey Montgomery and, uh, and I'm trying to pull up the, uh, the recruiting standings here because he says, uh, do you think the Saban era of dominance is over or do you think they will make it back to the top in the coming seasons? Uh, As it currently sits today on early signing day, Alabama is the number one recruiting class in the country they have got a historically high recruiting class number. They still got two more guys that I think are going to pick them later on. I I think they're going to be fine. They lost two ballgames this year. Like I don't think the, the era of dominance is over, but I don't, you know, I don't think that anybody's going to be really dominating anymore other than maybe Georgia. And that may be because of the, uh, the change in strength of schedule. I think the sec West is still stronger than the sec East at this point, but that's me. Uh, Parker, Kyle, either one of you want to chime in on that one?
2: If they make a field goal against Tennessee, are we talking about their era of dominance being over? No. So, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Saban's going to hang it up. And his, um, his like, that's going to happen, and that's going to be different. But while he's still there, I'm not saying they're descending into madness. It's also true that other teams are, you know, people that Saban has taught how to run successful college football programs are doing that, and he's getting a little more competition, sure. But, um, no, I, don't, I, I think that's an overreaction.
0: I think so as well. Uh, Kyle, what about you? Uh, How about this, Kyle? I'm going to toss this one to you. Uh, Taylor says, do you guys think Drake May might leave North Carolina for the money? What, What do you think here? I don't know that
1: I'm very good at predicting something like this. so I, I, I don't want to get too far into this. I'm going to go back and say I, Alabama, I don't think uh, the era of dominance is over. Now, you could argue that there won't be anybody that dominates as much as what they were for a good while, especially in the era that we're going to be going into. So it depends on what your definition of dominance is. But uh, Alabama's not going anywhere. So um, as far as Drake May, I, I was assuming Drake May would stay there. But
2: if, if somebody else has I, something... <laughs> I think he announced that he was. I think yes.
0: I saw that. He's already announced. Yeah. Yeah. He's it, it, so Mac Brown came out and and made some statements about oh. uh, other schools offering a lot of money and you know oh you know who they are and everything else but and nobody's ever going to name names because everybody does it so uh, or or they just don't want to name names because they can't prove anything uh, which is all just insane. It would not shock me if Drake May was offered a ton of money to go to a number of different places. Uh, but Drake may is a, a legacy guy at North Carolina. His dad played there. Um, I mean, his brother hit the, uh, the elite eight shot that took him to the final four back in 2017 or 2018, whatever it was, Luke may that hit that shot against Kentucky. Uh, no, he ain't leaving North Carolina. He's just, he, I, from what I understand, he got a, a hand in picking who his offensive coordinator is going to be for next year, which will be chip Lindsay. Interesting. Uh, so I don't think he's going anywhere, uh, Joe exotic jumps in who would have thought tiger King himself, uh, Baylor. Let's see, which two of three games would you target with Baylor versus Air Force Joe? I'm not, I'm not asking the guys this question. You need to go back and watch, uh, (laughs) the rest of our, the rest of our shows, uh, from yesterday and from last week. Um, we, we gave out some best bets. Those are the ones that we would target there. So we love you, Joe. But uh, <laughs> go, go back and watch last week's shows and yesterday's show. Uh, Mike Kim said, hopefully we can have a conversation about paying the players. Do you guys think it's good for college sports keeping more fourth and fifth year players to stay and improve the sport? Parker, I'm going to let you start. I think that we all might have an opinion on this. Uh, I'm, I'm curious yours. You go ahead and, and begin this thing.
2: Um, well, one, we're not paying the players. We're allowing players to make money off of being the status that comes with college football players. So there's certainly some reforms to to go before we talk about paying players. But the fact that they're getting money does um, make make a lot of sense. And I, and I think it's um, th- there's a huge benefit to these players and their families specifically because this is guaranteed money. You're seeing guys, hey, I can stay an extra year and get you know, X amount guaranteed to me through NIL, as opposed to go to the NFL, risk getting hurt and missing a roster and not getting any money uh, or getting cut, not making the 53 man, whatever, whatever. So I think the guaranteed money is is good. I I still think when we're talking about all this, we've got to account for two things. One, it's still the Saban era, which kind of colors how we think about college football because someone's been so dominant. And two, the COVID year is still trickling through these rosters. That is a huge thing. And anytime we talk about, is this good for the sport? Is this bad for the sport? We really need to think about how COVID COVID rosters have kind of made this a weird, uh, a weird time and a different situation. So I'm generally pro um, these athletes making their, making their money. I think that most of the coaches that are talking loudly about tampering either um one are mad they have to work harder to try and keep these guys uh there you saw ryan day talking today about recruiting after commitments and i think that's good for player welfare that you have to you know appease these guys and, and make sure they're still your guys um uh, it, it, or they're people who got outbid who are trying to do the same thing and saying someone paid more money for this player i'm not mad about paying money for players in principle i'm just mad that someone else paid more money for me so definitely a, lo- a lot of things to consider in that conversation
0: I I tend to agree with you. Yes, they are. They're not getting paid by the universities yet. uh, But that would not shock me if that is something that is coming down the line with all of these gigantic billion dollar television deals that are happening. Uh, If you want to slow down the transfer portal because Mark Holmes jumped in, he said uh, the players deserve the money. The transfer portal, on the other hand, is killing NCAA football. Uh, You basically have unlimited free agency going on every single year, which is perfectly fine. Like, these players are the ones that are really, really good will get what they deserve, and some of them will get more than what they deserve, and I don't know that that's necessarily hurting anybody other than uh, the coaches and these teams that are just kind of used to controlling everything. It's a different kind of world that we're in right now. Uh, I, I think it's good for college sports to continue to adapt. Now, would it maybe have been better for them to do it piece by piece as we go along? Uh, yeah, maybe so that everybody can get used to different changes instead of everything happening at one time, just a gigantic natural disaster hitting the sport all at the same time. But uh, but I think this is good. Like anything that's that's better for the players, I, I think is a good thing going forward. Um, I, Kyle, I'm I'm curious your thoughts here.
1: Yeah, I mean I tend to agree with with Mark that the the money is the one thing. The transfer portal has been a mess. I mean I understand why the transfer portal is there, but uh, I feel like they're kind of making the rules as they go. And I think that's what Gary was saying too. Uh, if we had a little bit more clarity as far as exactly how this worked, it'd probably be better. And obviously, you know, uh, I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, I, I like the good old days, you know, and stuff like that. But at the same time, uh, the bowl games are are pretty rough with with the uh, current situation. And I, I wish that there was a better way to uh, compensate and make that uh, – Uh, more of a motivation for for them to be there for the bowl game. I certainly understand the guys opting out because, you know, um, their welfare is super important. But I I agree with what Parker said, too, that you could see a lot of these guys end up staying in college instead of going pro uh, because there's some guaranteed money there on the college side from the NIL stuff. So um, don't be surprised if you see some of these guys you thought were going to go pro stick around a little bit longer.
0: Yes, I I think you're going to see it with college basketball as well. Uh, You're already seeing it. Uh, Guys like Drew Timmy at Gonzaga, et cetera. This isn't a college basketball show, but uh, Oscar Shebway at Kentucky. These are not guaranteed NBA guys, uh, but they can stick around in college basketball a little bit longer. And, uh, yeah, I think it it makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited. That was a really good question, Mike. I'm excited to, uh, to be able to talk about stuff like that. Uh, during some of these Q and A's. So I do think we are, we are rapidly approaching the end of the show. So let's, let's go ahead and do our picks recap here. And, uh, and we'll let you know what our best bets for today are Parker. I'll let you start this thing off.
2: I'm going to ride with uh, Florida state uh, minus nine and a half Washington plus four in the Alamo bowl. I
0: like both of those. I will also ride Florida state minus nine and a half. I'll take the Huskies plus four against Texas And I'm going to roll with Lance Leipold, Kansas, plus three against Arkansas. Kyle, what uh, what have you got for us?
1: I'm going to take North Carolina and Oregon over 35-and-a-half in the first half, and I'll take Syracuse and Minnesota under 42 for the full game. Guys, I like these plays here today, so I'm feeling positive about this. It's a good slate. Really good, too.
0: Yes, very, very nice. Uh, everybody, I think this is going to uh, close out the show before we get out of here, go on and like the video for us, if you would so kindly and, uh, and do me a favor and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Again, we're trying to hit some more goals before the end of the year. Uh, but before, you know, we, we do our log off, uh, I do want to tell everybody one, uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, how whatever your phrase for celebrating this time of year is, uh, we don't want to offend, but also we just want to let you know that we certainly appreciate all of you that watch and that listen uh, this has been an incredible season. It's not over yet, but you know, with, the, with Christmas right around the corner, we do want to say thank you for watching and for listening and for tuning in and being a part of the chat, being a part of this community here. Uh, this has been a really, really enjoyable season, and we cannot thank you enough for being here. So with that said, guys, uh, for BetUS, where the game begins, God bless college football, and we'll see you all again next week.